This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of March 18th. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined on the line by Zarar. What's going on? And Sam. Hey. Uh, we just saw the Raptors lose to the Pistons for the third time this season. Um, Dwayne Casey. <laughs> can you, can you see, can you feel the salt? Can you feel all the water evaporating near you? That man uh, is the, happy. The, 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 the sun shines on a dog's ass. There's a saying that goes something like that. So I'm going to go with that one. The, the sun is shining on the Detroit Pistons and their shitty seventh seed. Let them let them soak it in. I, I hope we meet them in the playoffs so we can beat them and, and set this thing straight. Wow. I mean, it's pretty clear that he's holding up, you know, his comment from earlier in the month when he was saying that it's a championship pedigree franchise, whereas in Toronto they have no idea. And it's in these games that you really see it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, only a champion would uh, employ Zaza Pachulia. I mean, just look exactly. at the Warriors, right? Like, that's championship pedigree right there. Um, no, nah, I mean, look, I don't think we should overreact to anything there in terms of uh, the Pistons game and getting swept by the Pistons. But I will say that uh, the one positive from this, out of this game that we just watched was Fred Van Bleet finally coming back from injury. Missed about a month with that uh, left thumb issue. Um so, Rob, where do you see Fred slotting into this team? Because he looked great tonight. I, I see slotting him in in place of Jeremy Lin. Uh, I remember when when Lin got uh, acquired, uh, they they you know sometimes the Sportsnet calls me and goes, "Hey man, do you want to come on the radio or whatever?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Hmm. Uh, so I got on, and I think the the clip is in our SoundCloud, and they're like. Oh, Linsanity returns. And I'm like, okay, calm down. Because this is not Linsanity. This is Jeremy Lin. You know, this is not circa 2006 Jeremy Lin. This is, you know, we're, 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 we're you know, it's 2019. Uh, so we should, you know, just temper our expectations. And uh, I think we're seeing over the last uh, couple of weeks how a struggling point guard can can affect the team. So when Fred came in today, and his, I think he played about 30, 30 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, there was just a level of stability in the game that we, ju- we just kind of had forgotten that existed in his uh, in his absence. I think uh, I think he does. Bring, I think that's the word stability and a little bit of predictability in the offense. Yeah, he has his he has his issues as well, and he makes mistakes like he did with that uh, pass to uh, uh, to Kawhi, which even I saw like you know oh, yeah. ten seconds before he made the pass, you knew it was going to get picked off because the defender was just lurching there and. You know that's a bad pass by Fred, which you know, hopefully he just puts that away. But but overall, I'd say that yeah, the stability definitely is welcome. Sam, uh, yeah, sorry guys. Um, for me, it's definitely it's there's a bit of everything that he brings to the game. You can see people tweeting about it on the timeline while the game's going on, but there's a lot of little things for everybody to point out. 
And generally, they end up being a lot different. It could be how he's spacing the floor on offense, or like Blake might mention that he doubles really well on defense. And he has like, he's kind of a, a cure-all for the Raptors at times. And that's why he was so vaunted last year as a, as a bench piece, because he improves the team in a lot of different ways with his shooting, his IQ, and his like pest-like defense. And just inserting that back into the lineup in any capacity is going to help. And since he played like a decent chunk tonight, that it obviously helped a lot, and it'll help a lot going forward. Yeah, too too, too bad he couldn't stop Ish Smith. Hey man, no no, no Raptor ever has been able to stop Ish Smith. Who? My God, he was good today. But um, like, like, he, like, I, I think Ish Smith should be like an honorary member of the Gerald Henderson section of the Raptors Hall of Fame. He should be that award title. Like Gerald Henderson is now no longer in the league, so. I'm actually really considering changing the title. But, I mean, going back to Fred, I think, you know, it's sort of – you could tell his effect on the rest of the team. Like, really, in terms of just who connects the team, who makes everyone go, um, there's two guys on the team that does that. Obviously, Kyle Lowry is the number one guy. He's always been that guy for this team. And then last year, we saw Fred basically emerge as that type of connector last year. And you're seeing it today as well. Like, he, he has – I mean, he, like you guys said, he has his fault. Sometimes he thinks he's Kyrie Irving when he drives the basket where he really is too short to finish. But um, that man really does a lot of good things for the Raptors, uh, pushing the pace, shooting threes. I mean, the three-point shot is going to really help because the Raptors are really going to need a lot of spot-up shooting out of their point guards. And, um, yeah, I think I think in terms of the playoff rotation, if we, if we look at um, – I mean, obviously Jeremy Lin's at this rate not going to make it. But um, – yeah, I mean, Zara, who's who's in your playoff rotation, uh, especially coming off the bench, because this bench unit has just been an issue. Hey, hey, man! Before we get to that bench, whatever, like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, but can we rename um, uh, Fred Van Vliet's name to, like, as you said, like he connects a lot of things to, like, the dongle. The dongle. Like, would that be a, would that be a good nickname for us? The dongle. Like he's like a USB C, USB iPhone. You know, you name it, he'll just connect everything because he's like the dongle. That sounds mildly sexual. But yeah, I know that's why I kind of like it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, sorry, playoff rotation. Okay, my bad. Uh, I'll search the dongle. All right. <laughs> the dongle. Um, uh, playoff rotation. I mean, isn't it kind of like like what what's there to figure out? I mean, I think you got Powell, you got OG, you have Fred. Um, I think that's your three off the bench. Obviously, I mean, what what else is there to figure out? Um, you got Monica or. Ibaka, whoever's not starting that day, coming off as well. Yeah, you got. I mean, I, I don't know what you can sort out there. I, I think we just have to be smarter in who we play when, and also, man, simply put, Gasol's got to hit his shots. I mean, he had a wide open three, which I think yeah. if he makes the game, we're talking about a different outcome. So, like, if, if he makes that makes that three, what, what does that tell us? Does that, does that mean it's the right move to start Gasol? I, I, it's just so difficult to say what your rotation should be because it's it's moments in games that change games completely. And that three by Gasol today would have had a completely different outcome. I've, I, like, I'm on the record saying I think I've, I value continuity more than uh, than maybe other things. So I, I would I would definitely go with Ibaka as a as a starter because I think Ibaka, as he has publicly said, enjoys starting. It actually matters to his productivity when he starts because he's said so publicly. I think Gasol maybe can get you the same level of production both in a bench and a starter role. So I think if if you're trying to see like who if you're if you're trying to maximize the output of your team, I'd say. I'd say start Ibaka just because he's more comfortable there. Uh, beyond that, uh, what the rotation should be, it's so matchup dependent that uh, you know, the, the three guys I mentioned will probably be you know six to six to eight. But after that, it's just just who plays when. Okay, Sam. Let me rephrase the question for you then. Um, do you feel like the bench struggles will solve themselves once the rotation gets trimmed down? I think that a fair bit of them will solve themselves, and I do agree with Zarrar when he says that. Gasol should probably be riding the bench. And especially since I know it, it's not exciting to have Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, and CJ Miles get traded for Mark Gasol, the reigning, or not reigning, sorry, former defensive player of the year, an all-star, former all-star, and then have him come off the bench. But that probably is the way to go if you want to maximize everybody in that role, especially since he liberates Norman Powell, guys like Patrick McCaw, in a lot of ways on offense. And, I mean, I think it will sort a lot of itself out, especially since 
Fred VanVleet is like a catch-all superstar. He's a net rating superstar. He's a player that a lot of people like and a lot of people like to play with. And he's going to do a lot for the offense in that capacity. But as well as you're trimming a lot of the fat and you don't have to experiment as much anymore. And you can just kind of run with guys who are proven to be at least decent. And then every once in a while, if something calls for it, a la Norman Powell in the Pacers series, a young guy, an energetic defender that you want to bounce into the game, Patrick McCaw can come in and try and do something like that. But for the most part, I think the bench will do an okay job in the playoffs. I don't think it's going to be perfect. I don't think it's going to be last year's bench. But I think it'll be decent enough that the starters will play really well, obviously, I think. And I think that the bench will sort some of its problems out. Uh, yeah, I, I think if we like if we struggle in the postseason, we're not going to look at, uh, like, you know, uh, Norman Powell and say, oh, man, we lost to the Bucks because of Norman Powell. No, we're going to say we lost because Gasol didn't perform or, or, or Lowry was, like, his usual playoff self or something else happened. I don't think it will come down to just the bench being complete crap. I, I just don't – I think there's enough depth on this team that – it's it's going to be okay. And also, there's also a lot more playoff experience on this team. I think maybe that's what previous versions of the Raptors mm-hmm. lacked a little. And this time you have that. So it, it's it's not a major, major concern to me. Like, if you, if you had to pick off a couple of concerns, it's like, if you look at our fourth quarter offense, man, Jesus, man, it, it's like, give the ball to Kawhi and just get out of the way kind of deal. And he does get a high percentage look usually, much more so than DeRozan did. But still, I, I'm just not sure that's that's sustainable. Yeah, and I think that's where you hope Gasol's passing and stuff like that can help the team. But um, if we break it down into, you know, let's say you want to stagger your lineups, right? And you want to have at least one of Gasol or at least one of Lowry, one of um, Leonard or one of Pascal in the lineup at all times. How do you break down those minutes? Because I think Nick Nurse so far has really liked to keep his best players together and play together as a unit and then overwhelm a team and then have his bench sort of buy time. At least that seems to be the general trend. But um, out of those three guys, I mean, we know Larry can kind of do it, but uh, how do you basically break down the rotation such that you always have one of those three guys in with the team to keep the team afloat? Uh, Sam, I'll let you take this one. <laughs> okay. Oh. It's a convoluted question. I don't know. I think that there's a lot to be said for Pascal Siakam's, um, the type of shape he's in. He looks like he can go all day. You can actually, in the playoffs, if we're talking playoffs, you can bump up his minutes, and I would expect Pascal probably to be playing between 38 to 42 minutes per game, especially if it gets down to the nitty-gritty, and that will end up curing a lot of those problems already. And Kyle Lowry plays a lot of minutes as well. You'll see that from Kawhi Leonard. And that's why you asked me if the bench is going to fix itself, if it's going to sort out some of its problems. Yes, and especially since it's going to be supplemented by these guys. And as far as building rotation off the dome, I can't like give you like four different five-man lineups, but I think that the playoff rotations get shortened. You're going to see an uptick in minutes from Leonard, Lowry, and Siakam. And that's just going to push the supplemented bench units into greater viability. And I don't think you're going to see a drop-off in production when they're playing with other starters. As far as overwhelming the opposing starters, hopefully that the status quo remains. And hopefully like the supplemented bench is able to dominate other supplemented benches in the playoffs. But I think that the three guys like Gasol, one of Powell or OG, and Fred VanVleet, really make for the, I guess, the core of a bench unit. They'll play really well with the starters that play with it. And they'll play more minutes anyway. That's what I see. Yeah, and I think where you're going with this is that, like, who, who's that, like, glue that kind of binds the starting unit and the bench unit together? It's, it's that classic, like, 1-4 situation where you have, like, one guy from the starting lineup and four guys on the bench to kind of transition it through. And Lowry's been usually that guy, especially at the start of the fourth. You remember under Dwayne Casey and maybe even sometimes uh, under Nurse. Um, and, yeah, I think if you look at who's which current, like, starting player – would be best suited to continue on playing with the bench. I'd say Lowry for sure. It's it's number one. But I think I think Sam's bang on. It, it's Siakam probably. Not even not even just because he has the talent, but it's because he has the energy to actually do that. Like if, if you put Kawhi in that role, you might risk just like burning him out and like leaving him like with nothing at, at the end of the game. But with Siakam, I find you can actually extend him and still retain uh, productivity. 
so I think I, I'd, I'd say it's between those two. And, and if, if Ibaka starts, I'd say even a little bit of Ibaka because I think he's known to, uh, you know, like his minutes have been fairly contained this year. I think like what, what's he averaging this year? I think it's is, is it thirty thirty two or something like that. So you could probably extend him a little and and, and still get away with it. So I, I'd say it's those two. Yeah, um, yeah. Ibaka's at twenty eight this year, I, and a lot of that was because he's had to play extra minutes when JV was down and stuff. I honestly think if you have forty eight minutes as center. You have Ibaka playing like 24 to 28, and then you have, you know, Gasol clean up the rest. Like that, that's an ideal situation. And I think with those players at their current ages, like I think it kind of maximizes both of them. Um, Zarat, you talked about earlier in terms of just, you know, there's going to be more experience with this Raptors team and that's going to be giving them an edge. Like, do you feel like the Raptors have a f- switch to flip in the playoffs? And, you know, outside of just like shortening the rotation and things like that, which everyone obviously is going to do. Um, what is that switch for the Raptors? I, that's a good question, man. I, I don't think there is a flip to switch other than them actually just playing together in the absence of random injuries or quote-unquote fake injuries or load management or precautions and so on. I think it's just it's just the team playing together continuously is their edge. And that, that's why I think I wrote an article like a week ago where I was like, Man, I, I like this load managed thing. Big fan of it. But at this point, I think we got to get our continuity and enter the regular season in tip-top shape and playing maybe 15 games without any breaks. Or obviously, you can't you can't deal with the suspension for Ibaka. But other than that, I think like we got to we got to get our guys playing playoff type rotations in these last 10 games to so that we have some sort of an edge and quote unquote get to the next gear for the postseason. So other than that, I think it's just that really. I don't think I don't think Nick Nurse has this like, ooh, this little playbook he's got on the side which oh, he's to Appar- open up. <laughs> Apparently he's hinted at that. No, he's not. He's if he has then it's a dumb, dumb idea to like <laughs> hang on to players to plays and just test them out in like the last ten games of the season. Like if he, if he's actually doing that, I think that's he should he should be canned. He's got his own CJ Miles on Kevin Love uh Oh my God! Trick in the back pocket. Yeah. Um, Tyler Hansbrough and Paul Pierce. Oh yeah, my God! Oh Dwayne, Dwayne, how could you be bitter, Dwayne? You got slept in three or four years, man. Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh man, Bebe in Game Two of the Cavs series. So. Yeah. Um. Okay, Sam. What about you? What do you think the Raptors will, in terms of just flipping the switch? What does that look like for the Raptors for you? Um, occasionally a more aggressive and persistent for his own offense, Marcus Saul. Hopefully some magic that Norman Powell can conjure up. And uh, a better Fred Van Vliet, considering that he didn't play very well in the playoffs last year because he had that nagging injury going into it. Kyle's been pretty good in the playoffs um, in recent memory. At least I think so. I know that's a hot-button topic. And Kawhi Leonard is incredible. I mean, he's a dude. He's a finals MVP, and he's one of the best players in the league, even if he has been load managing. And if we want to save him for when we sign him to a max contract, you know, you can load manage him during the playoffs. It's the long game. Everybody would appreciate that. But I think that there's all the pieces there. And if they're meant to be a team that's going to be good, then you'll see those players, the aforementioned um deliver in more meaningful ways, and especially Siakam. There's just a lot of different ways the Raptors can play, which has added variance to their offense, whereas the Raptors in regular seasons past have just been pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, Lowry to Rosen. And that was a problem in the playoffs, but was really good during the regular season. You'll see it with the Portland Trail Blazers as well. I mean, continuity is really important in the regular season, the Pacers too. But in the playoffs, having a variant offense, that can go a lot of different ways. You can do Siakam having his own type of post-up, run-out offense. He can even ISO on occasion. You have Leonard's offense, which is a whole other thing. You have Gasol's type of offense, the elbow touches, and you have Lowry. I think that there's a lot to wean from what they've done, and hopefully they build on it and mix it in a meaningful way, which is a nurse question. For all that he's been so far, what, what do you what do you think? Is there is there a defensive switch we can go up a level uh, for the postseason? Because you look at the game in the game tonight, man, fifty eight points for Detroit in the paint. Uh, you know, like that's like, is there something on the defensive end we can do which will take us maybe to the next level? I keep thinking so, but I just think the Raptors they just aren't focused. Maybe that's it. Maybe they just focus to play defense because we've seen them play defense for great stretches and it's fine. And overall, they're a good defensive club, but. I honestly find that, like, 
to be honest, I think both offensively and defensively, the switch is probably just Kawhi Leonard, right? Like, Kawhi, let's be honest, he hasn't played full capability defense, full energy defense all season. He really hasn't. It's been a couple of games he's had against Jimmy Butler, against, you know, Ben Simmons, uh, and occasional other examples. But, I mean, like, for the most part, Kawhi Leonard, there's been, like, the not off the court, you know, uh, load management, and there's been on the court load management. And on the court load management has just him playing less defense. And I think if he turns it up to where basically he's ready to play defensive player of the year style defense again, that is our playoff switch. Like just, you know, defensively, just he alone could be so disruptive. And we haven't necessarily seen that consistently. And even offensively, man, this guy's last playoff run, Kawhi Leonard averaged um, 27.7 points per game on 52.5% shooting, 45.5% shooting from the three. And also 93% from the free throw line and 8.5 attempts per game. That's a 67 true shooting percentage. <laughs> so maybe that's, I think honestly Kawhi is basically the entire playoff switch, right? If he decides to play defense and stops resting all the time, like that, that's it. So you're saying if you got a chance against the Pistons, I like it. <laughs> I mean, it'll be tough, man. It'll be... <laughs> Can he guard Ish Smith? That's the question. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, this is uh okay, so in terms of the first round then, uh, looking ahead, the it's it's still a couple of weeks until the actual playoffs start, but um you know, who are you who are you hoping to avoid the most in terms of first round matchups? Or are we kind of just past that as a Raptors team? I, I so I I mean, I hope we're past that. Like I, I really I really do. I, 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 I like if we're worried about, you know, whether it's going to be Miami or Brooklyn or Detroit, then oh my god, then we have like bigger issues. Um just between, like, I think I'm still gonna go, if I had to pick an easy first rounder, I'd still, I don't know, man, I, I, I'd still go for the Nets. I don't know, I, I just think, uh, you know, they've had a couple of good games against us, but I still feel they're a young team, uh, who will, who still has like a few years to go of like playoff misery before they even win a, win a series, so, yeah, I, I'd go with the Nets, I think more experience, I think they have less experience, um, yeah, D'Angelo Russell can be terrifying sometimes, but I think, that that's kind of where it uh, where it slows down for them. It's uh it's a nest for me as well, obviously because Serge Ibaka has actually played Jarrett Allen really well across the board this year. Mm. He's limited him, limited him in a lot of areas, which kind of takes out one whole part of the game. And you know, it's to get back to that idea that the Raptors haven't been a team that we can reliably say they'll get better in the playoffs going forward. And like Gerard alluded to, if we can't, if we're worried about a first round matchup, that's a problem. And I don't think, I don't think we are, and I don't think we should be, because like, there should be an uptick in everybody's game, in most everybody's game. And I think a version of the Raptors that's playing well shouldn't be worried about the Pistons, Nets, or the Heat. I, I don't think it should ever matter. And if it does, that's a problem, like Gerard said. Okay. Well, okay. I'll flip it another way then. Objectively speaking, one of these teams is going to take the biggest chunk out of the Raptors. One of them is going to be the most annoying team to face. Is that team the Pistons? Because I think it is. I, I think the Pistons actually give the Raptors a couple of problems. Not to win the series, but I think Blake is a real issue for Pascal. Like, I don't want to see Pascal play like 80 full games, you know, going all out, and then have to play Blake Griffin in a grueling six-game series, and then also then have to go guard Giannis on the box. Like, as for a guy that has a lot of energy, that's that's almost an insane amount of energy for anyone to be expending. And I feel like the Pistons, you know, I think the Raptors will beat the Pistons, but, you know, that team I could see the Raptors, you know, losing some energy after playing the Pistons. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree with that. It's uh, Andre Drummond presents his own problems, and like you alluded to, Pascal – Having there's only a few power forwards in the league that will kind of take it at Pascal because the game isn't really played that way anymore. But Blake Griffin is one of them. And considering that Ish Smith is one of those guards who to other teams is not a problem, but against this team, he's a menace, like a small, bouncy guard, can just move in and out of the pick and roll. He'll snake it. He'll dump off, all those types of things. I, I agree with you. I could see that being like a stupid painful to watch six game series that we just hate. And I think as far as the matchup with Pascal that you hit on, that's the big problem because that's their star player. And if he has a mismatch, which he would have most times down the floor, then it's just going to be painful to watch. And there's not very many fixes on the Raptors roster for that thing. 
there's not much of a scheme because Blake is a really good passer and you just kind of have to deal with it at that point. Whereas the other teams can be schemed around and the Raptors have more inherent um, matchup problems for the other team. Whereas the Pistons have more inherent matchup problems for the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think Detroit's the obvious one. There's also the psychological factor of like getting swept, which maybe plays with some of the players. So I would, um, you know, it's weird because I kind of want to see us face the Pistons just because I think it'll be a good series and it's going to have a backdrop of the Casey thing. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to a Pistons series and if you if sign me up for one. But in, in terms of like the the one matchup that may actually bite us in the ass and can give us trouble it's also the pistons but at the same time that's not deterring me from wanting the pistons if if that if that makes any sense yeah i hear you honestly (laughs) in terms of as people that cover the team and stuff it's way more interesting if we play the pistons the storylines gonna be way better than uh yeah exactly it'll be like damari carroll being you know saying stuff about the raptors locker room versus Dwayne casey you know i honestly i think there's a real chance Dwayne casey fights nick nurse Playing that series, and I, I really want to see it, man. I really want to I see guess, it. I guess, do those two just hate each other? Like, is that what it is? I mean, because I've been reading some articles here and there, like, you know, some comments back and forth, but whatever. Like, that, that was like four or five months ago. Like, I, I feel like those two absolutely despise each other. Is Will, what do you know? You, you got some connections on the inside. Uh, I, I don't know anything, but uh, I do know that it's very obvious that Dwayne Casey is very bitter and salty about the whole thing, and... I think from Dwayne's perspective, I think he feels like Nick probably didn't back him up um, when, you know, obviously after last year, the Raptors get swept. And by the way, as Dwayne Casey himself said, they got swept in a better way. It wasn't as bad. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as 2017. It was a better sweep, all right? You know, that if JV's tip goes in, in in game one, that whole series could have changed. They could have lost in five instead of four, but... um I just also, think that yeah, he 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 feels a little that, bit backstabbed. What what does that mean? He didn't back him up. Like, ha, has there ever been a case where a GM is about to fire the head coach, but the assistant coach steps in and goes, Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I got to back up the head coach here and save his job. I just don't think that happens. So I, I don't know what Gacy's expecting of Nurse. Uh, I like I, like if I'm Nurse and I got offered a head coaching job, you don't say you don't say no to that because that's as an as an assistant coach, that's your dream. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Uh, specifics, I'm not quite sure. But I mean, like, there's a, there's a, there's a history. There's a history. I don't know what Dwayne said after this game, but after the last one about how the Pistons are a championship organization and the Raptors aren't. And then before that, it was, man, I know all of Nick Nurse's plays. Like, you know, I, you know, it's the same playbook. He's running the same plays as me. Like, <laughs> he said he clearly just doesn't respect Nick at all. And it's, it's really funny to watch because, I think the Raptors feel some sort of like karmic depth into Dwayne the same way they kind of feel towards DeRozan. And so like they can't actually come out and just say like, Hey, listen, we fired you for a reason. Um, but like, I think the, <laughs> I just think, yeah, it just puts Nick in a bad spot. He basically just has to win. And even if he does win, he won't even get any credit for it because he just has a better team. So. And I would like to add that in, in the three games you lost to them, in the second and third one, we had players missing. Um, obviously, Ibaka for this one and Lowry, and before that, we didn't have Leonard. Mm-hmm. And in the first game we lost, which we lost 106-104, I must say, like, we have to call this one out, is that, like, we, we did not play Lorenzo Brown. So there's there's an asterisk on that yeah, one. Yeah, that's – listen, Lorenzo Brown is, uh, by the way, a, probably a better player than uh, Jeremy Lin at this point. <laughs> How do you feel about that, uh, uh, about Will? Uh, Did you have any high hopes of uh, Jeremy Lin, and which have been subsequently shattered, or is this what you kind of expected? All right, let me set the record straight on Jeremy Lin, okay? Um, coming into the season, in 51 games with Atlanta, he was averaging 11 points a game, shooting 47% from the field, 33% from deep. You know, that wasn't great. But he was doing a decent enough job. Um, his plus minus metrics were good. And the times I watched, honestly, Trey Young just didn't know how to play point guard early in his career. Obviously, he's turned it around. But for a long time there, Jeremy was the best point guard in Atlanta, and he was doing a good job. And I thought, wow, this guy could really contribute. Upon landing in Toronto, all that has changed. His shooting percentage has dropped 10 percentage points. His three-point percentage went from 33 to 15. Um, and it honestly feels like 3%. Like, it, it, honestly, I feel like he's – I remember every single three he's hit as a Raptor, which is – just uh it shouldn't be that that way but um it's been disappointing and i don't think his his game fits i just think he wants to play pick and roll in an up tempo style and the raptors have really worked into this half court um 
type of game. He's not getting a lot of pick and roll opportunities. Uh, he's not really confident in terms of obviously shooting the ball. He's never been that good of a shooter. And it's really weighing on him how badly he's shooting the ball right now. And unless he's driving to the basket and creating his own offense, he's not really creating offense because he's also not a very good passer. So it's just awkward all around, man. It's, it's awkward all around, but, uh, he's a good teammate and, um, I'm sure he's going to love the city of Toronto. So he's going to be a great, uh, CJ Miles. It, the, the Hawks thing, I mean, that's the difference between playing for a team that's, what, fourth worst in the conference and a team that's yeah. number two. Like, you, you you can afford to get – get pe- people will let you take shots and not play as, as as hard defense on you than if you're playing for the Hawks as you are for the Raptors. And I think that's that's kind of showing. I mean, I think we know this, right? I mean, we've all – the Raptors have over the years have had, have had players who have – Bashawn Leonard, you know, is, is the oh, oldest man. one. You know, the guy who crosses LeBron James. I mean, if you have <laughs> – our history is littered with guys who did amazing when in seasons that didn't count. And, uh, yeah, and Jeremy Lin is basically that for the Hawks. And now that he's on a good team, he's, he's struggling. But, but I hope, Sam, thoughts on Jeremy Lin, dude? Like, is this par for the course? Is it kind of what you expected? Or, or, or was, was, I got a lot of crap because I did that mailbag and I said that, I said that Van Vliet was going to eat up all of Jeremy Lin's minutes and I didn't have any complaints about any other answer except for that one. There seemed to be these lofty expectations that maybe he might even supplant Van Vliet. And I was like, well man, I don't know. Van Vliet's pretty good. But Lynn, there's a spot for Lynn on this team. Like Lou said there's not much of a or sorry, William Lou um said <laughs> Hey Lou, how you doing over there? Um <laughs> But like he said, um this uh. like the the up tempo way he likes to play isn't a direct fit. And he just has to be kind of like a specialty option that, like, if things are really slogging out there mm-hmm. and maybe he finds a way that, like, he's breaking down a certain scheme, a certain group of players on the opposite team in the pick and roll, which we've seen probably two or three times in his time with the Raptors, is that he finds the pace with which he wants to play the pick and roll and he gets to his spots. That's That's still, there's value in that, and he can still do that. And you could go to Kenny Atkinson and ask about his defensive intensity, and and that could be good as well. But there, there's a place in that if you plug him in every once in a while, see if he can get his pick-and-roll game going, and if it's helpful, you let him run with it. Maybe he plays 15 to 18 a game. If he doesn't, maybe he plays six. And I think that's his role. That's that's what he's going for, for the Raptors going yeah, it's uh, it's it's been disappointing. I really thought uh, I really thought he'd be an upgrade over Delon, just offensively at least, because he has shown more than what Delon has. But no, nah, I mean, it's been disappointing. Um, <laughs> let's wrap up the first half of the podcast. Let's look ahead to the schedule next week. Uh, the Raptors play the Knicks tomorrow at home on a back to back. By the way, did you guys see Mario Hazonia blocking LeBron James at the buzzer? <laughs> What's going yeah, on, cool. man? <laughs> If only we had Mario Hazonia all these years, we would have gone past Cleveland. <laughs> and he dumped on Giannis. So Giannis and LeBron, he got both of them. Jesus Christ, yeah. And I don't like the look down from, like, a player of that ilk at LeBron James. That's so hilarious, like, though. Yeah, oh, man, it's so funny. Especially since his hair looks like it has, like, 80 pounds of grease in it. Like, he looks like a fine-tuned Charlie Chaplin on the court. Okay. And. <laughs> and it's just funny to see, man. But especially uh, since like he'll go three games without playing any minutes, but he's staring down LeBron. I mean, it's funny. I I, I just love how um you know the Knicks. Uh, first of all, that happened in Madison Square Garden. Uh, mm. Everybody's watching, and the Knicks never never even bothered sending any sort of double team. Nothing. <laughs> and he just did it on his own, and he almost got the rebound himself, basically after the block. So. uh yeah, good on him, man. I, th- I think Le- – I-, I remember there's some, some some GM or – I don't know. It was, it was on Twitter somewhere. And they asked some, like, other players on, like, what they think of, like, LeBron missing the playoffs. And they're like, you know what? It's good for him. Like, he needs to be humbled a little bit. I think he needs to see the other side of of uh, of the NBA because he's always been, like, constantly going to the NBA finals. And now he's out of the playoffs. Maybe some perspective can help. And I think – what did you guys think of that whole report that the, the the Lakers were looking to ship LeBron? Like, did you? That's is, not is true. Is there any? Is that true? Like, no. Because the reporter no, did have man. a blue tick next to his name, which always confuses me. No, I, I'm pretty sure what happened was. Uh, well, I mean, actually, I, I think I know exactly what happened. So, uh, Stan Vet or Fred Jeff Van Gundy talked about it. 
uh, on a broadcast, you know, just randomly. He just sort of brought it up. He's like, hey, man, what if the Lakers trade LeBron? And then uh, I think there was another report from Rick Buecher, who's uh, not necessarily reputable in terms of reporting. You know, he's not a Woj, for example, right? But, no, they're not trading LeBron, man. Like, it's just they're not. Like, I think we're overreacting a little bit. LeBron's still averaging, like, 27, 7, and 7. You know, he's huh? clearly not as good as he used to be, but, like, it's, it's he's still in his prime. He's honestly the best thing the Lakers have going for them. And um, and I think there's also other ramifications when it comes to trading LeBron, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's not even just about basketball. Like, does does Magic Johnson want to make an enemy out of LeBron post-career? Yeah. You're going to be that team that trades LeBron, you know? Yeah. Bad. Uh, sorry, to, to answer your question. Yeah, the no, Knicks. I, 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 th- I think the Knicks have already just picked up their monthly win, so uh, we're good. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's a win. Trading LeBron would be like... Oh my god. I can't even phrase it how funny that would be though. Especially since Kentavious Caldwell Pope has like a no trade clause but LeBron doesn't and seeing one of them go out the door, not the other. Especially since like KCP like couldn't even play visiting game or like road games the other season. Like just seeing like that juxtaposition of their careers that the Lakers are like, now we gotta roll with KCP both from clutch. Well, LeBron, we gotta get you out of here, man. And like, Lavar Ball reemerges. Oh my like, god! Of Lakers fandom. It, it's so clear, by the <laughs> way. LeBron was the problem all along. It was so clear that LeBron paid off Lavar. By the way, have you guys noticed? Like, Lavar was so loud last year, so like in the media every single day, and then LeBron shows up, and all of a sudden he's completely quiet. You know, that, that can't be a coincidence. That that can't be. A, you know, LeBron's got like 500 pairs of BBB at home. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the next game, that's a win. Then the Raptors play a home-on-home against the Thunder. Wednesday, they play on the road in OKC, and then Friday, they return home back to Scotiabank. Um, give me your prediction for those. Uh, it's home-on-home well, home against OKC. Yeah. Um, Super random. Yeah, it's like um, hmm, a one-on-one. I'll, I'll, I'll take a cop-out answer of one-on-one. Okay. Uh, just because because it just it just makes sense. It, it's just hard to see. Uh, you know, I think we've always struggled in, in Oklahoma, haven't we? Generally, we struggle there. They're they're a good team. Last year, I think the Raptors got swept by the Thunder. I just remember Russell Westbrook and Stephen Adams just killing the Raptors in pick and roll. Like every single possession down, they would score. This is an ESPN game. We should be noted. Uh, it's on national TV in the states at 9:30 p.m. So, uh, right. lots of eyes on this one. If I had to pick which one we'd uh, win, I'd say, you know, I hope we win the one uh, that's uh, that's away to OKC. I think that's more of a statement game. And I'm guarantee you, there's going to be some load management here between the two. I would imagine. Wow. I hope uh, that they win the game in Toronto because I'll be at that game. So. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you go. And then uh, the Raptors play one more game on the weekend, Sunday, against the Hornets, 6 p.m., the game everyone's waiting for, Raptors-Hornets. Uh, I mean, I think, honestly, at this one, the Hornets are not the same. They don't present the same issues with the Raptors as they used to. They used to be a pain in the ass, but Steve Clifford's gone, and he took his, uh, you know, magic over to, you know, the, I guess Orlando, the magic. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is this is a win. This is a win. It's also it's also a back to back for uh, Charlotte because they play Boston the night before, so should be noted. So I think that's a win. I hope yeah. they go all in and beat Boston. Daryl Henderson doesn't play for them anymore, which is a you know that's another wrinkle. That's a big one. That's a big one. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna empty out the mailbag. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers, and you know what makes me mad? When insurance companies deny your claim for no good reason. That's why people call me. I'm the lawyer insurance companies don't want to deal with. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. All right, welcome back to the second half of the Raptors Weekly Podcast. You're here with Sam and uh, Zarrar. We're taking your Twitter questions. As always, hit us up at Raptors Republic. First one comes from Hall. does sorry, Dwayne Casey has been the source of multiple losses this season. Is it time to fire him? Yikes! Solid, cheeky son of a bitch, isn't he? Like yeah, he, uh, he's, he's always coming with these comments. Um, yeah, with that big forehead of his, he's coming up with these jokes. Um, I will say that. Uh, well, do you buy that Dwayne Casey knows Nick Nurse's playbook inside out? I'm sure he knows some of it. I mean, he probably didn't overhaul the whole thing, but. 
I don't know if it matters. I feel like most coaches know most of what else is going on in the league. I'm not sure that that plays like a very big factor into it. Do you feel like yeah. Dwayne is yeah. in Nick Nurse's head? <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I think Sam's bang on. I, I don't think it matters as much on. There's, there's no secretive plays you can run at this point, right? Maybe a couple wrinkles here and there, but overall. You know, 80% of the time, you kind of have you, have, you have a decent idea what the team's going to do. Um, and, and I don't think Dwayne Casey can actually coach the Pistons to watch out for the Raptors are doing. I just don't have enough faith in the guy. <laughs> so even if he, even, even if Nick Nurse ran the exact same plays as Dwayne Casey did in his time, I just don't think Dwayne Casey would have the coaching talent to coach his team to watch out for those plays. I know wow. it's a very cynical view of Casey, but uh, that, that's my take. Um, and what was the other thing? Is it uh, in the head? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think a little bit. Yeah, in the back uh, of Nick Nurse's mind, you know he hates losing to Dwayne. Yeah, for, I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, can you imagine? Like, in any profession, if, if you're like a cashier and you got fired by the new cashier i, I don't know man yeah. there's always going to be something there and you because yeah, i remember watching in the cap series they ran like the same elevator play four times in a row when doing casey was coach and there was no difference it was just another triple so i feel like oh, <laughs> if there's a capability to like be like okay i know this play we're gonna run it we're gonna stop it it would have happened but it didn't you know, the the one surefire way to beat Dwayne Casey is uh, if you uh, <clears throat> hire Jason Kidd. So, you know, he's available, guys. He's, av- he's, av- he's available. There's time. We can still hire Jason. Oh, man. Um, all right. Next one. This one from Cooper. How dominant do you think playoff Kawhi is? I mean, the guy doesn't look like he's trying too hard. This is a question I have in the back of my mind as well. I don't think there's a doubt about his ability. But in terms of just can he go from playing at 50% energy and load management, like, once or twice a week to 40, 42 minutes every single game in the playoffs and play great defense and offense. Is that possible for you guys in your mind? Do, do you guys think, do you guys think Kawhi is nursing an injury or of any sort or discomfort of any sort? I think he knows that if he pushes too hard, he will aggravate his quad. Even now? Yeah. No. Okay. Then, then, then you can answer your own question then, didn't you? So you're saying no. Well, well, like if you believe that that's the case, mm-hmm. and we're gonna ask him to play 42 minutes and push hard in the playoffs, well, guess what? That quad's getting aggravated in game one. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna knock on wood just for the three of us right here and the whole entire fan base. But I mean, yeah, to some degree, that's why I have some doubts, right? Like, I'm not entirely sure you can do it. Even like one or two games. Uh, I would like to see him like if if he went all out against OKC for some random reason, and I'm like, holy crap, he's playing 42 minutes. He's sh- like Paul George is shooting eight of 25 again, and, uh, and Kawhi is giving you 30. Like I'm like, yeah, okay, that's great. Then there there there's the switch. But I'm not entirely convinced. You know, there I think there is a risk factor that goes into it. I man, I hope he has it because like Raptors fans have getting lamp have been getting lampooned on for like five years about like nobody doing as well in the playoffs that we really do deserve a player who's much better in the playoffs and like be a Gasol or Leonard. I hope that Leonard plays a lot better. Mm. I hope that we see like shades of just like him robbing Andrew Wiggins on the sideline like two times in a row and just clamping people down. Uh, you have to be optimistic. I think otherwise this all gets pretty hairy and like dark right away. Yeah, that's why I feel I feel the, the biggest, you know, the, the first question you asked in this podcast was like, is, there, is what the next gear is? And I just feel the gear is everybody playing together. That's why when I see games like this today, which which had a bit of a, maybe, maybe not an emotional aspect to it or whatever, but it, it meant something. You don't want to get swept by the Pistons. I, I would love to see Lowry, Leonard, like everybody just go at it in this game and kind kind of win this one just to set a set a bit of a tone. And I feel with like how many games do we have left now, like fifteen or something like that. I mean, like when are, when are we going to get that momentum that says this is the Raptors heading into the postseason, or are we going to find that find our postseason form in games one and two? It just feels it, my gut tells me like we've left it a little too late uh, to, to to get to get our feel going. Yeah, I think honestly the Fred injury and stuff like that, and the trades did set them back a little bit. But uh, I agree. 
I agree. I mean, like, they have some, they have a couple of games left. It's just, the tricky thing is, like, the last couple of games here are such trash games. Outside of the OKC games, they don't play anyone over 500. Like, it, yeah. it, those, the schedule is just ass. So, or maybe they do play some 500 teams, but, like, nobody good. Like, literally nobody respectable. So, uh, yeah. it would have been nice to see. Uh, another one from Film Apothecary. Uh, heard Nick Nurse in the post game. Should we be nervous that he's still saying he hasn't figured out a rotation yet? Um. Yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. We, we just talked about it. Yeah, hundred percent. We should be a little nervous. I mean, the, the trade happened in what Feb? Yeah. I think we have we have had time to kind of adjust and figure out who plays where. We haven't done that yet. Um. Uh, and yeah, I, 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 as I said, I think I think we left it a bit too late. I don't know, Sam. What, what do you think? Um. I don't think it's too late. I think, well, more so than you, I guess. I have faith, not so much in Nick Nurse. But I think that the players play will help make it apparent to him in the playoffs, like who should be playing. Because I do think that this is a team now that will have at least, if not a huge switch, at least a moderate switch to flip. And I think that the play of certain players will make it really apparent to him that there's certain lineups he should play because there's a lot of talent and there's like four guys maybe five guys who you know just have to be in there. And then, like, you just need two or three other guys to step up, at least in some capacity, to make it clear who the eight guys are. And then mixing and matching from there, it shouldn't be too complicated. I mean, you play Pascal a lot. You play Leonard a lot. Otherwise, like, if this is a quad injury that lingers for, like, the rest of his career, then, you know, I guess he either risks it and re-injures it or he just doesn't play to his full capacity ever again. And then at that point, it's like Giannis is beating the Raptors. So, <laughs> I mean, you just, I guess, just have faith that, like, better players are going to play better and that Nick Nurse will use at least some of his brain, his apparent <laughs> offensive genius his brain, to figure, like, to figure out who should play. Uh, That's the thing. Yeah, this idea that Nick Nurse is a, a mad scientist who has all these crazy ideas, um, I feel like that's kind of been debunked a little bit, man. There's no mystique at all when it comes to Nick Nurse. This guy has, and also it's it, the one sneaky thing with Nick is just like, I don't, cause I think he's a rookie referee, uh, rookie coach and stuff. So I don't think referees care about him at all. So like if he ever gets like a tech or whatever, like it's not like the Raptors get the next three calls, like the way, you know, even Dwayne would get that. Dwayne would definitely get that. You'll get a tech and then all of a sudden the Raptors get a couple of nice calls or like Doc Rivers would do that or like Popovich would do that or whatever, Spolstra. It's uh, it's it's not the same. It's, it's not the same. I don't think uh, I don't think Eric Lewis is listening to Nick Nurse after he gets a technical. But um, do you guys remember? Maybe you don't. But um, the same way we're saying like Nick Nurse, offensive genius. We used to call like Kevin O'Neill way back when, uh, like a defensive guru. We got him from the Pistons. He was an assistant coach there. He was this crazy looking dude who was like, who became the Raptors head coach. And basically, he just killed the pace where we took like I don't know thirty five shots a game, and and everybody was like, "Oh, genius!" Like because he's a defensive. <laughs> oh, the Raptors are amazing. No, we sucked, and we got fired after a year or whatnot, and 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 that was the end of it. Like I don't think I, I don't think Nick Nurse is obviously anywhere close to Kevin O'Neill on the offensive side, but there is a bit of a halo effect going on here where we we look at Nick Nurse maybe as in a more saintly light than we than we need to and now that he's actually had some some real challenges hit at him with with you know with the trades giving him more options and injuries forcing him to think a little outside the box we're seeing that at the end of the day he's a rookie head coach trying to figure things out yeah yeah and for a season where you're going all in it is a, a little bit unfortunate really for him to get this chance at this very pivotal moment most new coaches, you know, get a chance to uh, work with a new team with no expectations. But uh, is, yeah, does Masai fire Dwayne Casey if he knows that Kawhi Leonard is coming? I mean, okay. The real question we should really be asking if if Kawhi Leonard was already on the Raptors when Mike Boonholzer was a free agent coach, would he have picked the Raptors over the Bucks? Because I feel like if Bud wasn't coaching the Bucks, the Bucks are just not what they are, and all of a sudden. You know, you have an established coach in Mike Boonholzer and a player in Kawhi that he's familiar with going back to their days with the Spurs. I mean, 
wouldn't the Raptors be far and away the best team in the East if that had happened? Because at the time, he was like, I can either coach Giannis and Chris Middleton or Kyle and DeMar. And he was like, yeah, I'm good, guys. I'm going to Milwaukee. You know? Yeah, I can see that. But if it was Kawhi and, and, uh, and Kyle, he'd probably be like, yeah, you know what? I'll probably stay here. Wait, 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 wait. You're, are you saying that uh, you would rather coach Kawhi than coach Giannis? Yeah, I think so. And Kawhi plus the fact that you have, at the time, it looked like a better supporting cast. And also at the time, I mean, not at the time, just generally, you'd probably rather live in Toronto than Milwaukee. It's a bigger market. They're probably offering a little bit higher salary and stuff. Um, you know. oh, but it's so cold in Toronto. Yeah. It can't be. <laughs> You're just like cold and eating cheese in Milwaukee or whatever. Like that's, that's not ideal. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he could have chosen the Raptors if he knew Kawhi was already here. But at the time, it was literally Kyle or Demar, Kyle and Demar versus Giannis and Middleton, and he obviously made the right choice. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, he gets to attach himself to Giannis for like the foreseeable future, which star players, if they're not like mm-hmm. prima donnas, genuinely help. Coaches like resumes a lot. Like Eric Spolstra is a good coach, but like having LeBron come through like really puts him up in the upper echelon as far as his career goes. And Budenholzer can probably do a similar type of thing with like taking himself to Giannis. I'd also feel that I think I mean there's only a three year gap between the two, and you know as a coach you're probably looking at um, a player you can who will listen to you more and you can mold more. And I think that age factor plays a lot there because three years does, even though it's not a lot, I think it still makes a difference in a player's mentality and how much they listen to their coach and how much they think they already know everything. And I'm not saying Kawhi is, acts like he knows everything, but that, 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 that would, that would play a big factor in any coach, uh, selecting which superstar they want to play with. Because ultimately, man, the coach's job, it, he, he gets fired or, or, or has success because his superstar is listening to him. And if that's not happening, the guy has no chance. Maybe maybe that's like one of the factors he has to he has to look at. Mm. And Giannis is signed. He's on a contract. That is true. That is true. Um, okay, next question from Tim. Are Raptors fans the most panicky, worrisome fan base in the league? I would say very close because uh, this is a tortured existence. You know, like there's there's a lot of reason why people are the way they are. They're not just panicking because they're, you know, Chicken Little fans. It's literally the Raptors are the Chicken Littles, and you're watching that happen over and over again. You're like, so what's going on here, you know? I think that um, the Raptors, we have Chicken Little fans for sure. And, like, obviously every fan base does. But I think that there's, like, a little bit of self-awareness to the Chicken Little aspect that I appreciate. And if you're ever worried about the Raptors, at least when I was, like, 17 and reading blog sites, I would go to the opposite team's blog, like, and go read comments. And, like, if you read a Celtics blog comment section after a loss, like, they don't even get it, man. Like, they're way more panicky, and they'll throw everybody under bus. It's like the place is on fire. Like, every fan base has an aspect of that. But I actually, like, at least on Twitter, I think there's – a bit of self-awareness. This is elitist, by the way. Cut me out of the pot right now. I'm going to leave this. Um, but there's like an aspect of self-awareness to the Raptors' chicken little syndrome. You know, it's, it's funny. You make fun of it. Mm. Yeah, I, I think if you look at the Knicks sometimes, I mean, the Knicks suck. But what I like about the Knicks fans is that they have, they, they, they've been crap for so long that it's become almost humorous like their comment sections and their sites are just like just funny i mean they're just they, they've accepted it um but but no i i think the celtics is a pretty good call out like even philly for that matter even oh though God, philly is yeah. like i mean they, their fans panic and, and they feel you know they have it owed to them like once they got jimmy butler like they felt that was it and uh when this one started struggling after that you should have seen some of the uh, you know some some of the comments on their blogs, but hey, man, nothing compares. Stepping aside the league over the last couple of days, man. Yesterday, Man U losing to Wolves, and today, Chelsea to Everton. <laughs> uh, if you check out the the Reddit sections on uh, on those two teams' posts, like you will know what panic looks like. Like it does not com- compare to what the Raptor fans are doing in, in our no section. No creativity in the final third. No, <laughs> exactly. no runs were made. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, there are levels. Like the NBA is, I'd say, on the lower levels of like mm-hmm. fans hitting the panic button and just reacting 
in weird ways. All you got to do is look at the prem and go, yeah, yeah. that's that's panic. Yeah, on another level, man. We don't we don't have Raptors fan TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Next one from uh, Parmvir. What do you think the NBA? When do you think the NBA will get an expansion team? And when slash what year do you think it's a possibility Vancouver will get it again? Uh, isn't it Seattle before Vancouver? Are we still with that with that theory or what? I think so. I, I, okay. I don't think the NBA wants to do expansion. I think they like the NBA being like so many teams being good. You know what I mean? I don't think they want to dilute the product. Hmm. And 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 why Vancouver? I mean, I, I don't. Just, like, it's why? Cause, cause, yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's not a good reason. I, I put Montreal ahead of them. Really? Yeah. Why not? Yo, players like don't want to come to Toronto because it's cold. They want to go to Montreal. What? And they're gonna be why? they're gonna be afraid of the language and stuff like that. Whether it's your only factor, that's then true. sure. But they're gonna be you know NBA players are babies, right? Like they don't even want to go through customs, and then they're gonna see like West, like with the OU. And you're, they're gonna freak out. They're really gonna be like, no, I'm demanding a trade. I'm, I'm, I'm headed est. You know, like. If you had a language barrier yeah. along with like not California weather, I don't see that being successful. Yeah, it's also probably, it's a Canadian guy on Twitter probably asking a question. So I guess that's probably why it's Vancouver. He's like, when are we getting a second Canadian team? Cause I mean, more Canadian teams would be fun for just the idea of it. But I think Seattle comes before because there's, Definitely this idea that Seattle is owed something, especially since Kevin Durant, a Kevin Durant-led team, left their city. So I think it'd be them before Vancouver. And, and Vegas, I'd say, is ahead of them too. Man. Yeah, I think if the NBA does expand, it's like Seattle and then Vegas, and then you put those in the West, and then you move um, two teams from the West, or one of the teams from the West into the East, and then you have a balance, like 16-16. Yeah. And it's probably going to be like Minnesota or Memphis comes over to the uh, – the East or something. I, I think it's it's if the NBA wants to take this game global, Canada is not your next stop for expansion. It's maybe something else. I mean, I'm just thinking out of the box. Maybe it's like somewhere in Europe or like London or something like that. Uh, or sorry, or maybe Mexico or I don't know. Yeah, maybe they talked about like there. Mexico City as a potential like G League spot. And they want to dip their toe in the water, but I'm like, hey, you gotta get visas and like. It, it, I mean, again, like it's the same Montreal problem. Well, yeah, yeah, there's gonna be a wall now. Like, yeah. As a guy who lives in Mexico, they don't deserve a team because they don't count three pointers when they play pickup ever. What? Wait, hold on. You yeah, live in Mexico? Yeah, he lives in Mexico. You didn't yeah, know that? Oh no, I didn't know that. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 dude, who who counts threes in pickup? Oh, you mean threes as twos? You mean? Oh, okay, okay. One, yeah. And what? So, everything's a one. And they only cleared outside the paint. What the fuck is it's, this? It's devil. It's the devil's basketball. What the fuck it's is horrible. This? And so what it is is like if you even shoot from outside, you're out of like you're out of order to like play defense because you're everybody just hangs out near the paint. And then if you take an outside shot, they already have like inside position on you. It's horrible. So it's like everybody's <laughs> Jerry West and Dolph Shays. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Oh. That's, I wrote an article, like, you probably didn't see it, Will, but, um, or Will, sorry. Um, but I wrote an article where I interviewed, like, the guys who I play basketball with, uh-huh. and they hated everybody except for Serge and Jonas. They were just like, give the big guys the ball. They're so close to the basket. Oh, God. I was like, man. <laughs> like, and they, none of them liked Kyle Lowry. They're like, he's small. Look, big men. And they, they referenced their own basketball. They're like, hey, listen. Look, the big guys here, they score lots of baskets. It's the same in the NBA. I was like, dog, okay. Like, <laughs> wow. So no, no NBA for them. They don't get it. Not until they start counting, uh, the threes as twos and twos as ones. That's how it's gotta be. Mm. No, I mean, I, I, I didn't know about the, uh, the, 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 the you gotta clear it outside the paint. <laughs> as soon as they can shot, the guys got the rebound and inside position. That's great. If they grab the rebound, they just go straight back up and they're like, I'll start clapping and be like, hell yeah, dog. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's so cheesy for me. Anyway, oh, sh- I digress. So no Vancouver, no Vancouver, <laughs> and no Mexico City either. All right. So we, so let's wrap this. So it, it, it's Seattle, Vegas, maybe somewhere in Europe. If Mexico decides to up their basketball rules to nineteen, you know, nineties <laughs> levels, maybe we'll go there. And uh, and yeah, and then it's then it's like Canada 
Because like, well, what does the Canadian expansion even tell you anymore? Does that Nothing. make the game any more global than it is today? And if, I, if I'm, uh, um, you know, Mr. Clean, whatever, like I'm, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to go to Europe. You're Mr. Clean. Can you imagine how much uh, how much Matt and Leo will complain about coming home? Oh, they're coming home the second half of back-to-back. You know, they were just in London. Uh, so uh, you can't expect the Raptors to make any open threes or play defense. It's just not possible. Yeah. People make such a big deal about the travel. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I've never been on a private jet ever before, but maybe somebody who has can comment. But it does 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 top five hours of being on a private jet. Is that like a half hour flight for commercial? Like, is that a good? Is that the same level of tiredness you get? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure. That. I'm trying to create like a mapping between the two. I think honestly, the the real struggle is not necessarily how long the flights are, but just like how late you're getting in because they're always red eye flights. Like, if you're always taking red-eye flights, like, I can see that fucking with you, but for the most part... Elevation's not supposed to be good for, like, a sore body, I guess. But also, like, everything they do looks like luxury to us, so I don't know how to empathize, really. That's true. But Jack Jack knows, so at least he's got that. Yeah. Well, I think that does for the podcast. Hey, I think we got to mention the the, the transition we're doing on the podcast, man. That's correct. I mean, it's, it's a massive... Massive thing. So, Will, man, where, where, what, what's happening with you? Just tell the audience. I honestly, I still can't say specifically, but tomorrow morning on Twitter, I will announce where I'm going. But this will be, at least for the foreseeable future, the last one of these that I host. Um, I've already said thank you on the reaction podcast or the Pistons game, but I'll just repeat it here. Like, um, you know, RR is the uh, seriously. It's like it's in terms of just how you build a business and how in terms of how you build a publication, like. Guys have given people a lot of chances. You know, Zarrar, when you gave me that that Yeti Blue mic like three, four years ago, um, yeah, like it just it changed my it changed the it changed my life. I mean, it sounds fucking corny about a microphone, but I think it it, it was really that powerful. And uh, I was looking back actually through the archives, and I the first time I hosted this podcast, uh, the Weekly Pod, was number three hundred one. Now I'm not sure if the numbering is actually correct. But the, the number is correct. It is correct. Okay, well we're yeah. on podcast number nine hundred and seventy-three, um, and there's been a lot of other pods in between. But uh, I mean, this is you know this is giving me a big platform to do what I do, and it's it's helped me transition to the next thing, which again I'll have to announce tomorrow. So I can't say specifically now, but um, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for giving me that chance, and uh, you know, c- congratulate Sam for taking over the podcast. Yeah, so I mean, Will's obviously been. I mean, Will can work wherever he wants to work, but I think he's he'll always be uh, part of Raptors Republic, and and, uh, and it's exciting to see like um, another RR graduate kind of moving on and, and doing something something uh, something big and something they really enjoy. So it's it's, it's going to be great. Um, and, and Will, like you've obviously been just not not just the uh, the podcast or whatever, but overall, man, over the years, just like stepping in and like people can make a pose. Will always comes in, saves the day, like just helpful to everybody and. Just a good, good fucking dude to uh, to have on the team, and uh, like I think that's the part that we're gonna miss the most. Uh, I mean, your content obviously is is second to none. It's it's, it's amazing, and it's always been great. But it's just the ha- having uh, having you on the uh, on the group chat, and you'll still stay on the group chat, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, is is uh, that's gonna be the big miss, and so so programming note on that. I mean, Sam's gonna take over the. Uh, Raptors Weekly and uh, and the Reaction Podcast, uh, and uh, I'll also try to help out with uh, with Raptors Weekly where I can, and also I'll try to host, uh, I'll try to bring back uh, Raptors Weekly Extra, uh, which is uh, which I promised to do earlier in the year, but I failed to do that. But this time maybe I'll uh, I'll follow through on that one. So Will, man, big uh, big congratulations on your next move, and we're we're really excited to see you. Thanks, man. It means a lot. Yes, it's uh, this was the first sports podcast. I ever listened to. It was before Jalen and Jacoby. That asked. Your your voice was the first one. Oh shit. Yeah. Wow. I'm I'm only thirteen years old, so that's why. <laughs> just just a lonely thirteen year old playing pickup basketball in Mexico City. <laughs> <laughs> no. But you have, no, you don't live in Mexico great, City. Man. You 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 live where? You live live somewhere I'm on the coast, I'm in Puerto Vallarta. Oh shit. Yeah. All right, I'm sorry. Constant vacation, dude. What's that? Constant vacation. Yeah, that's 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 the way it's actually crazy here, man. Wow. Right, we'll wrap it up one last time. Yeah, I think uh, you know that does it for the podcast for uh, Zarar and for Sam. 
for myself, uh, thanks for listening. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.